Listening to the Bellator Christie podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics. This is the Bellator Christie podcast where we take Christian truth into the arena of ideas. And we thank you for joining us on today's podcast. This is your host, Brian Chilton. We thank you for joining us on the podcast and do encourage you uh, to, to check us out as we are on iTunes, TuneIn Radio app, as well as Stitcher. Uh, go to those sites. We encourage you to do that and subscribe and you'll catch all of these podcasts uh, when as they become available. And we do want to remind you that the Bellator Christie podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com. We encourage you also to go check out uh, bellatorchristie.com and click subscribe. By doing so, that you, you'll receive all the articles and the podcasts as they become available in your inbox. And the best part of it all is it's absolutely free. So we do encourage you to take uh, advantage of all the resources that are available to you. We have a great podcast on tap for you today. In fact, this is probably going to be uh, one part of a two-part series uh, that we're going to do on the topic of the occult. And we welcome with us today Michael Bohm. Uh, Michael Bohm is no stranger to the Bill Tor Christie podcast. Michael Bohm was saved at the age of 24 and started his journey into studying and immersing himself in mastering the Bible and apologetics. His life experiences give him unique insight and firsthand knowledge that led him down a path of discovery and learning. First raised as a Roman Catholic and then spending time practicing in the occult, Michael had spent years exploring other religions and the supernatural. Michael eventually was introduced to Christianity and accepted Jesus into his life. Soon after becoming saved, Michael found his faith being challenged not only by those outside of the church, but also by heretical teachings of the Word of Faith movement. These challenges led him to study the Bible and apologetics intently for the last 16 years. In March of 2012, Michael launched his ministry, Youth Apologetics Training. The mission of the ministry was to teach difficult apologetics and worldview topics in a way that anyone could understand. Since the founding of Youth Apologetics Training, Michael has recorded over 600 podcast episodes. In these episodes, Michael covers a myriad of topics in full detail to bring his listeners understanding and give them tools they can use in their day-to-day life. Michael has also recorded over 75 interviews 
with top-level scientists and other experts in the realm of worldviews and apologetics. You can find his teachings on Sermon Audio, iTunes, and at youthapologeticstraining.com. So we welcome today Michael Bohm back to the Bellator Christie Podcast. Michael, it's so great to have you with us today. It's great to be here. Thanks, Brian. And I also want to uh, bring up a point uh, that needs to be made. There is a, a very good conference coming up that both Michael and myself have the opportunity to be part of. Uh, this is going to be the Defending Doctrine Apologetics Conference. This will be Saturday, May 20th at 9 a.m. Mountain Time at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Roundup, Montana. Uh, I have the privilege of speaking on the uh, the uh, the integrity of the New Testament, particularly the Gospels, and why we can trust the, the Gospels. And Michael will also be there speaking. Uh, Michael, what, what topic will you be discussing in this conference? Well, during the conference, I'm going to be talking about uh, dangerous doctrines uh, that have been, or rather dangerous practices and doctrines that have been creeping into our church. Some of those things we're actually going to bring up today and, and next week when we discover, or when we talk about the uh, you know, part two of this podcast. Uh, also, what will be interesting as well, if this podcast piques your interest uh, in the world of the New Age and the occult, uh, another one of the speakers that's going to be attending is Marcia Montenegro, who is an expert in the area of the occult. You know, some people consider me an expert in this area, and I certainly know my way around. I, I played around with the occult for a long time, but Marcia Montenegro actually made her living uh with her uh, occult practices, astrology and such, and she actually went to school uh, to study these things. So she'll have a lot to add to the conference as well. Uh, Jason Oaks, who's putting this, this conference on at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Roundup, Montana, uh, he is an expert on, on Mormonism. So I, I forget exactly what Jason is going to be talking about. But anyway, it's, it's going to be a good lineup of, of guys and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. This is going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Unfortunately, I won't be able to be there in person, but with the uh, advent of the Internet and uh, technologies that we have it now, uh, Jason is going to have me on through the uh, I think it's Zoom. Is that, what it's, is that what it's called? Through Skype, I think? That, yeah, it's, it's similar to Skype, but it's got so many more abilities. Uh, Zoom allows his church to basically stream whatever is happening there. So what what will happen then is they can patch you in and you can speak to everybody there via Zoom. Uh, and something that I don't think we're going to do on this conference, but uh, soon as we start rolling more of these out, we can actually live stream these conferences as well through this Zoom program, uh, which then means that we really could have satellite conferences happening at other churches at the same time, which really takes it up another notch. I mean, that's going to be a lot of fun. But yeah, the program is Zoom, and I've heard a lot of good things about it. It looks pretty good. Absolutely, and it's a privilege uh, to be part of this, uh, to be part of this conference. And uh, like you said, there's great speakers on tap, and I'm looking forward to participating, looking forward to hearing uh, several of the lectures that's uh, going to take place at this conference. So once again, that's Defending Doctrine Apologetics Conference. Uh, this will be at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Roundup, Montana. 
And this will be Saturday, May 20th at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. So if you're in the area, uh, be sure to stop on by and check it out. I think you'll be blessed in doing so. Today, we have a very important topic uh, topic to uh, discuss. Uh, a few weeks back, we had Michael on our podcast, and we uh, were discussing uh, cults. And one topic of great interest was introduced in that uh, in that uh, podcast, the interview that we did, and that was on the occult. And so uh, let's jump right into this. Uh, so, Michael, when we are talking about the occult, what are we referencing? All right. So last week, you know, we talked about cult. This is so confusing for some people because the word cult and occult, they sound very similar, right? Well, cults are groups that have deviated from their, you know, orthodox doctrines, you know, for example, the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witnesses have taken a Christian foundation and have greatly deviated from that, come up with a, many of their own doctrines, and have gone down the road of being a cult. Well, the occult is completely different from that, you know, uh, regardless of how similar the words sound. Uh, Webster's Dictionary defines occult as matters regarded as involving the action or influence of supernatural or subnormal powers or some secret knowledge of them. I think that actually confuses a little bit. Really, the occult world is trying to gain supernatural control over your life and the world around you using uh, mysticism and hidden knowledge. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Uh, as we progress... As we progress today, I think it's gonna it's gonna clear up quite a bit. You know, we were just but, uh, uh, that's we, we were just conducting a Bible study. We've been going through on Wednesday nights uh, here at the church uh, on the miracles of Jesus, and I and I was reading in a commentary how uh, many individuals in the first century would try to use occult like practices to cast out demons, whereas Jesus, just with the spoken word, could tell the demon be gone, and it ha- and it had to obey. Uh, showing forth the power of Jesus, uh, but also showing the weakness of these uh, cult-like practices that were used by by many in uh, in that day and time. So, of course, as you're talking about mysticism and things of that nature, um, we see a lot of this today. And so, uh, on that uh, on that mindset, if you would, and and I understand we were talking about this before the podcast, and this is quite a loaded question. Uh, if, in fact, may take uh, the, the 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 greater part of our uh, of our uh, beginning opening podcast today in our two part series, if you would describe the main types of occult practices, particularly those in the Western world. Okay, so you know, looking at the Bible, when you're thinking about the occult, you're thinking witchcraft, divination, soothsaying, stargazers. Sorcery, uh, these types of things. The Bible speaks about which are uh, occult practices. It's actually in there quite a bit. Um, as far as the Western world, here in the West, boy, we just about have everything. I mean, you can drive up the street and you can see uh, Italian food, Chinese food, uh, Mexican food. You know, we've got it all here nowadays. Well, same thing with the world of the occult. Some practices are much more prevalent than others. Um, but as we go through a lot of these, 
I think that just about everyone here listening today is going to at least have some understanding of a lot of this stuff. Um, we started talking about ESP a little bit last week, so I guess I'll springboard into that first. Uh, that's an area that really is still part of the occult. Uh, people that practice ESP generally like to paint it as more of a scientific endeavor, okay? But it usually still steers down the road. Well, not usually. It always ends up in the realm of the occult. ESP stands for extrasensory perception. Uh, and some of the various practices within ESP, and there's so many, there's so much overlap, guys, uh, as far as you're going to find a lot of these practices, uh, like, for example, some of these practices of ESP, you're going to find them also within the world of Wicca. Uh, you'll find some Wicca practices that are also in black magic. You'll find New Age practices that are also in the world of ESP and Wicca. So there's a lot of overlap, okay? But uh, as far as ESP goes, one of the ones that uh, a lot of people have heard about, know about, is uh, astral travel or remote viewing, also uh, referred to as out-of-body experiences. Um, these, as far as astral travel goes, it's something that it's been portrayed in a lot of movies, I think. Oh, forgive me. I never really watched Harry Potter all the way through, but I think there were some scenes in there with some of that going on. I know that the movie The Man Who Stared Goats, um, there was uh, some remote viewing involved there, which most people don't realize, but that's actually, it was a comedy, but it was based off of true events. Uh, the U.S. government did, the military did do a study. They entertained the idea, at least for a short time, uh, of, of, you know, is there a way to weaponize some of these practices? And so they put together a small group of guys, and one of the things they were trying to do is kill goats by staring at them. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, Goodness. I, 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 tried, I tried that with some mice in my basement. It didn't work out for me. But uh, anyway, <laughs> just completely joking. Nobody take that and run with it. You know, but, yeah, that'll be the next article on some uh, uh, discernment website is Michael Bone practicing the occult, trying to kill mice. Uh, but anyway, uh, remote viewing, it's its kind of uh, dubious in some ways because the idea is that you'll put yourself in an empty mind trance-like state and that you will actually allow your spirit to leave your body and then see... Uh, remote sites. And so you could, in essence, you could go behind em enemy lines, gather intel, and then come back and tell the troops what's going on. Uh, these types of things. Uh, go places and, and then see things that you would never know and then come back with that information. The thing is, it never fully works. There's been a lot of studies done, and some people have had interesting results where you're like, wow, they really could not have known that otherwise, but then you hear their whole story, and a lot of the details flat out don't line up. So what's going on there? Uh, I don't think you're actually leaving your body, but I think when you're messing around with the occult, uh, you know, Satan will throw you a bone, right? Absolutely. I mean, it, I think he will allow you to experience certain things, and 
it can feel like you've actually been somewhere and seen things, uh, exact, real-time things. Um, but uh, having said that, that was one of the things when I was in DSP, that was actually one of the things that I was most interested in. Uh, it, it just fascinated me. And I, and I tried and I tried and I tried and I did um, partake of that silliness a couple times. And like I mentioned, some details were accurate and a lot of them weren't. So it, 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 um, it makes you think, you know, I don't think your spirit really is leaving your body there. Nonetheless, that is an occult practice and it, it's something that's an abomination to God. Um, another practice in ESP, uh, clairvoyance. Uh, I think you've probably heard of that, the idea Absolutely. that you can see things that other people don't naturally see, okay? Uh, usually coming through things like dreams or visions, uh, these types of things. Now, there's another practice that's very similar to clairvoyance, and that would be clairaudience, okay? It's the same type of deal, but rather than seeing, you've got that word part, audience, you know, you're hearing things. You're getting audible voices that other people are not hearing in the natural. Okay, that's another big practice in the ESP world. Um, another one, telekinesis or psychokinesis. Um, that is the easiest way to describe it is it's like the force. Use the force, Luke, you know, right. but... You know, unfortunately, you're not able to lift an entire X-Wing fighter out of a swamp. But you can do little things like bend spoons and move pencils and, and these types of little things. That's telekinesis. Again, I think you're getting help from demons. Um, but that is also, that is definitely a practice within ESP. And you do find it uh, in some of the other areas of witchcraft. You find people doing that. Um, something else that is very often practiced in the world of ESP is automatic writing. You ever heard of that? Um, I, I, I can't say that I have. I mean, <laughs> it seems like I've heard it referenced before, but I've never really pursued it. I, I remember hearing someone mention it before and I even don't I don't even remember where it was but uh, I can't say that I'm very knowledgeable about that so it's another way to channel a spirit basically what you do is again this is a theme of the world of the occult you empty your mind remember that because that is an occult practice to empty your mind okay you empty your mind and you allow a spirit to come in and take control of your hand and write messages from the the uh, the supernatural world, if you will. Okay, that's automatic writing. Uh, when we get into necromancy later, I'll have to bring that back up because that's definitely necromancy. You're allowing some being to communicate through you. Did you see uh, some because I know in a lot of Eastern religions, such as Buddhism and uh, even Hinduism, there is, uh, particularly in Buddhism, the idea of clearing your mind. Uh, could there be some dangers in that? Because it seems like it, it almost relates to the clearing of the mind, but it may be channeled in a different manner. But do you see some similarities between the two practices? Absolutely. And uh, the results, you asked about danger, 
uh, it's very dangerous. And there are testimonies from many different occult walks where somebody was using the practice of emptying their mind. It doesn't matter if it was uh, some somebody practicing Hinduism and they're doing yoga and they're emptying their mind. Maybe they're a Buddhist and they're meditating and they're emptying their mind. Uh, various forms of, of ESP and you're emptying your mind. Uh, there are many testimonies of people emptying their mind and a spirit coming in. Okay, these are non-believers. Okay, spirit coming in and wreaking havoc in their life. Next thing you know, they've got multiple personalities. They've got voices in their head. They've got major demonic problems. And again, I'm not one of those guys that looks for a demon behind every bush, but I've seen this kind of stuff firsthand. Um, I've, I've met people that have had these things happen to them. And so, yeah, there's something you don't want to mess with. Absolutely. Um, uh, another thing, uh, and this one I kind of walk the fence on, but it's within the world of ESP. And so uh, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt in the uh, negative direction and say, you know what, don't do this. Uh, it's an occult practice, and that would be lucid dreaming. It's the idea that you're, you're having a dream, and in some way, shape, or form, <clears throat> you become aware that you're dreaming. Okay, And now your mind, your dream, becomes your playground. Because the dream belongs to you, right? It's it's somewhere generated within the mind, and therefore you can kind of grab the wheel and, uh, well, hey, next thing you know, you got a cape and you're flying like Superman or whatever. <laughs> but it's it's one of those practices that I, I kind of go back and forth on because you know it's it's happened to me on accident a few times, and I woke up and thought, well, you know, wasn't trying to do anything occult there. It just you know was having a really odd dream and somewhere in there I stopped and said, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> this is a dream. This has to be a dream. But uh, whatever the case, it, it is within the world of ESP and I would steer clear of this those types of things. Um, another thing that's out there, uh, crystals. We're seeing like people walking around with, with crystals around their neck. Sometimes they'll have little bracelets with crystals. Um, it's believed that these various different types of crystals each have various frequencies or properties that will give you um, enhanced abilities or properties in your life. So, for example, some crystals supposedly will, uh, uh, for example, okay, uh, uh, oh, what is it called? Rose quartz. It supposedly activates your heart. And also your fourth chakra, we'll get into chakras in a little while, uh, it promotes positive energy. It, it enhances types of things like love and self-love and love for others and unconditional love. Um, and so you know, people might take that particular crystal, strap it around their neck on their heart, and supposedly that's going to help your heart and help uh, some of these other areas. There's so many different types of crystals that again, allegedly have some properties about them that will enhance your life one way or another. Uh, there is a crystal that supposedly helps you, aids you in astral travel. I remember I had one at one point. I can't remember which one it was, 
but I, I had one and I was hoping it was going to work. Um, <laughs> uh, I remember when one of my aunts died uh, a few years back, one of my uh, cousins was there and she lined her bed. When we had left the room, we came back and there were crystals all over underneath the blankets. And you know, there was a shocking moment of what in the world is going on. And then, of course, my, my mother got a little angry and started gathering them all up and pulling them out. But um, that is, it's, it's a belief that supposedly these crystals have extra supernatural power or frequencies. Uh, obsidian helps you feel grounded. It helps you in sleeping. It's also critical when building portholes in Minecraft. Um, <laughs> <laughs> these these types of things. Okay, I'm sorry. I just had to throw that in there. Um, so moving on. Um, stepping outside of, of ESP, there's the world of witchcraft. <clears throat> of course, everybody has heard of casting circles. Uh, the idea that you know the witch uh, when a witch embarks on some kind of major spell and they want protection from the spirit realm, but at the same time, they want to, <clears throat> they want to harness the powers of the spirit realm. Okay. So they'll cast a, stir a circle around them, whether it's with chalk, uh, usually it's with salt, um, other various ways. Sometimes they use candles. Sometimes they'll draw uh, even things like pentagrams or pentacles, you know, the star within a circle uh, or other types of, <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is kind of messing with me here, but other types of symbols on the ground, they'll stand within the circle, and then uh, they'll draw what's called like a power cone. They'll, they'll raise this power cone, which is kind of a, it's a mental visualization practice where they visualize this energy swirling around them, and then they will cast it, okay? They will cast it from within the circle. Um, but anyway, witchcraft course, that's mentioned in the Bible many times, um, there is white witchcraft, okay, uh, sometimes referred to as the right-hand path, if you've ever heard that before, um, and, and white magic is, is a form of magic that's often seen as selfless or good-intentioned. Uh, when you're talking about witches within the, the doors of the church, usually they are well-intentioned Christians who don't know their Bibles. And, you know, I, God bless them, but <laughs> they don't realize they're doing something wrong. But usually when you have witches within the church, they are practicing Wicca or some form of white magic. Okay. Um, having said that, having said that, uh, people that are practicing like covens that pla practice black magic, one of their higher callings is to infiltrate churches. Just as a word of warning, they really do that. Do that. I've I've encountered some before. That they actually they will infiltrate churches and try to sow discord and cause problems, um, all the while playing off like they're just a Christian. Were most so of those Baptists? What's that? Were, were most of those Baptists? <laughs> <laughs> Being Baptist, I can say that, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. It, I, I believe it or not, I, I, most of the time that I see that, uh, or I have seen that, it was within 
uh, hyper charismatic type word of faith churches. Which really? Is, yeah, that's interesting to me. That's interesting to me. Now I have a question, uh, and 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 some of our okay. some of our listeners may have a question. You mentioned the pentagram. Um, oh sure. And I've I've heard that the five points of the pentagram represent five different forces. Is that is that kind of the gist of the behind the symbol of the pentagram, or or is it something different? So that's usually referred to as the pentacle. Oh, the so pentacle. when the star okay. is facing upright, where the point of the star is pointing up, that's a pentacle. And yes, uh, you're basically on the money there. A lot of uh, which is believed that each one of those points represents um, a different fourth earth. Air, wind, fire, water, I think I just said them all, I can't remember, <laughs> something like that. And um, yes, a pentagram is where, same thing though, you got the star and it's in a circle, but the, the point is now facing down. Um, and, and, and I never got into Satanism, praise God, praise God. Uh, but, and so I, I, I guess I can't speak 100% towards what they mean by that upside down. Uh, but of course, you've all seen the pictures of, um, oh, why does it escape me now? The, the horned version of saying, come on. Right? I've, I've always heard that the, uh, the shape of the star when pointing down represents a goat. Now, I don't know if yes. that's... If that's True or not, but I mean, I know the the form of it does shape that that type of figure. And now, for whatever reason, I cannot remember what that goat is called. For whatever reason, it's just poof, it's gone. But uh, I know some of your listeners are probably shouting at their their iPod or their phone because <laughs> they know what it is. But uh, anyway, I'll remember as soon as we hit the stop button. I know that. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, going back to uh, like white witchcraft, it's it's kind of the again. There's a lot of uh, selfless trying to do good, the good intention, which is so even like Harry Potter, you could lump him into white witchcraft. He's trying to do good things, right? But regardless, it's an abomination to the Lord. Witchcraft is witchcraft, okay. Um, it's something that we should not be doing. But, you know, white witches, they, they really feel like they're doing the right thing. Like they're doing something good. Um, there's also a lot of earth worship that gets mixed into uh, white magic. Uh, and so you'll, you'll see that amongst some very ultra-liberal groups. You'll find that there's some witches involved as well. So um, that's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, earth worship and, and these types of things. And, and, and within Wicca... Wicca's got a lot of different sub-camps, almost like mini-denominations within Wicca, and uh, there's no way we'd be able to get into all that right now. I do have a series on it uh, that you can find on Sermon Audio. If anybody's interested in learning more about Wicca, I really went deep uh, on that podcast, being that I come from a background in Wicca, and oddly enough, my wife, uh, before she was saved, she was practicing Wicca as well, so there was... There's a lot to say on that subject, um, but uh, I had a point here. What was my point? There, there's a lot of different camps within Wicca. Some of them worship what's referred to as the triple goddess, um, you know, this mother, mother maiden crone type goddess, and then a horned god who is, you know, kind of almost looks like a stag 
you know, with, with, with uh, a full rack of, of uh, antlers, if you will. Um, and yet some other Wiccan groups almost have almost an atheistic attitude, not a materialistic attitude, but that there's no God. But rather there's more of a collective consciousness or a Christ consciousness that we all share, that we're all divine in some way. We all have a piece of the divine. Somehow we lost it. Somehow we forgot. And we're all on this quest to get back to our divine nature. Uh, a little more on that later, probably next week, really, at this pace. But um, <laughs> well, I, I, do have a, I do have a quick question for you. Uh, I uh, interviewed sure. a lady, uh, Amanda Bertram her name. She is the wife of a pastor in our community. And she has an interesting story that's very similar to yours. Uh, she grew up in the Mormon church and was involved in, uh, left the Mormon church, got, was involved in uh, the occult, uh, particularly witchcraft. And she said she was involved in a group called Rosia, Rosa Crucia. And I'm prob- I may probably pr- mispronounce that. Uh, yeah. wh- what exactly is that? The Rosicrucians, uh, if I recall correctly, is a, a group that spun off of the Roman Catholic Church. Really? Uh, I believe they're also referred to as the Knights of the Rosy Cross. Now, I might I might be botching this right now because I'm going from memory. The last time I studied this group was, boy, at least 10 years ago. Um, but, yeah, they, they are still within the world of the occult, for sure. Um, I do recall some of their beliefs having, as you might expect, kind of a Christian foundation that then somehow got uh, perverted along the way. Um, And and I I know I mentioned this in the last podcast. Roman Catholicism is is a tough cookie uh, because many people consider it Christian. And in many respects, it is. But also, in many respects, it's not. You know, there is a works-based salvation message. You have to follow all of the the uh, um, practices. The good grief! I'm I'm dropping a lot of words tonight. Where is this coming from? <laughs> um, the sacraments. There it is. There's all these sacraments that you have to uh, take part in in order to be saved. That's one of many things. And of course, there's. Um, uh, hyper-venerating uh, Mary, which most Christians would call that worship. There's a lot of interesting things that are part of the Roman Catholic Church that are not orthodox. Having said that, I think that in spite of their teachings, there probably is a lot of people within their ranks that might possibly be saved. And I think it's because they're reading the Bible instead of reading their catechism. Right. But uh, that that's a rabbit trail right there. Um but anyway, anyway, I, I hope I answered your question a little bit with the Rosicrucians. Oh, absolutely. Um, interesting group. So there's Enochian witchcraft, which is kind of going back. Um, there is a blending of, it, it's kind of Jewish witchcraft, if you will. It's taking elements of the Bible, taking elements of the Talmud. If you're familiar with that, the Talmud is a collection of writings, a lot of commentaries of ancient rabbis on the Old Testament, mainly the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, Um, but there's a lot of mysticism that's in the uh, Kabbalah, or I'm sorry, the the Talmud. (laughs) Sorry, that was my next point, the Kabbalah. Kabbalah, 
Yeah, Kabbalah is a Jewish witchcraft, Jewish mysticism, and that easily could be an entire podcast right there. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the, the uh, Messianic movement. There's a lot of good stuff that comes out of the Messianic movement. There's also a lot of bad stuff. And you can't really paint the whole movement into one box. It just it can't happen. Uh, it doesn't matter which Messianic church you go to. They are completely different. But some of them will take elements of the Kabbalah and will integrate it into their belief system, believe it or not. Um, I I've, I've, was invited to one and stayed at this guy's house until 2 in the morning debating salvation, um, the doctrine of salvation, soteriology with him because he... He refused to answer the question, are we saved by faith alone, uh, by grace alone? You know, he he refused. If I'm not mistaken, I believe uh, Madonna is part of, or at least at one time was part of uh, the Kabbalah movement, if I'm not mistaken. You are correct. Now, just like Wicca and so many other things, there's various camps within Kabbalah, and she is part of a more commercialized uh, version of the Kabbalah. Uh, I was I was planning on doing a podcast on the Kabbalah with uh, Jill uh, Martin, you know, Dr. Walter Martin's daughter. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was planning on doing a podcast with her, and uh, we kind of, I don't know, some kind of disconnect happened there, and I think I need to reopen those topic or that, that, that attempt, but uh, yeah, she, Madonna, as well as some many other celebrities are part of a more of a commercialized version. And those who are part of the serious form of Kabbalah do not take kindly to that. Right. <laughs> they do not appreciate the Madonna version. They, I think that they, they do like the fact that she's drawing attention to the movement, but they don't like how she's spinning it because it's not how they feel it should be portrayed. And she's way off on the main root teachings of Kabbalah. But, Anyway, Kabbalah does come from a Jewish background. It blends a lot of ideas of the Old Testament, mainly the first five books of the Bible, but then perverts them, runs them through some through through kind of some ideas of these rabbis in the Talmud, and then throws in a whole heaping helping of, of uh, extra mysticism, looking for hidden meaning in passages of the Torah. Um, really taking an esoteric approach um, to the scriptures. Like like there's some kind of meta-narrative that is beyond what we're, we're seeing there in just reading the plain text. Okay, So, you know, as far as hermeneutics go, the, the, the scientific, the, the, the approach to reading the Bible and trying to understand it correctly as the authors intended uh, that just goes right out the window, and they're looking for some kind of wild, esoteric, mystic meaning in the text. And sometimes they'll go as far as to even look at the letters in words, and they'll incorporate something called uh, gematria, or yes. gematria, yeah. it's pronounced various different ways, and they'll take each one of those letters will have a meaning of its own, and will have a number associated with it. And they'll play games with the letters of words and the number of letters in a particular sentence and sometimes the meanings of different letters 
and they'll come up with a completely wild and crazy new meaning of the text that no one in their right mind would ever come to, but they've come to it by using all these extra uh, means. And so it, it's it's ISO Jesus to the nines. Absolutely. <laughs> it's reading, reading something that's clearly not there in the text into the, de- the text and making it say whatever you want it to say. So, yeah, that's Kabbalah. There is uh, black magic, the left-hand path. Uh, this magic is often seen as selfish and sometimes malicious. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've all seen movies about witches that are doing various hexes. Uh, of course, there were witches across the United States that got together in one day and decided they were going to place a hex on Donald Trump. Um, you know, and, and, and so that's kind of how black magic works. It's, it's more of a offensive, malicious type or selfish type of magic. Even uh, things like magic spells that are, are intended to uh, uh, seduce somebody fall into the realm of black magic as well. Because you're, you're overriding their free will that with kind of, your spell. Sounds kind of like the movie Love Potion Number 9, you know. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> We, there, was a, there was a witch uh, somewhere in the United States. I forget exactly where she was, but uh, one of the things that's done in witchcraft is they have various tools that they'll use. You know, and, you know, of course, movies like Harry Potter, they've all got their magic wands. Um, oftentimes, though, when you look at the tools of a, a, uh, a real witch, you're going to see more things like daggers, a chalice, uh, various types of candles, um, and sometimes swords. Well, there was a, a witch that uh, a couple of years back, she was in a graveyard and she was doing this grand spell and she gets right to the end of it. <laughs> and she had to, I apologize uh, that I find this funny, but she had to thrust the sword into the ground as kind of the way to end the spell. Well, she actually staked her foot to the ground with her oh sword. <laughs> You've heard the saying, you know, uh, you know, the, the person really shot their foot on that one. Well, yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, of course, then there's uh, Satanism because there's a lot of occult practices that happen within Satanism, and, and really, simply put, Satanism is everything that Christian Christianity is not. It's like taking Christianity and turning it upside down. And, and literally, I mean, that's one of their favorite symbols, is a cross that's upside down. And the idea is, whatever the Bible says, we want to do the opposite. Okay? Does that make sense? So, Absolutely. I mean, it was a, a satanic battle, Bible of uh, Anton LaVey. Would you say that that's what he promotes, the exact opposite of everything the Bible teaches? In many respects, yes. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's, in some ways it almost comes off childish and silly. Um, but don't, I mean, we really should as Christians take these guys serious because they are dangerous. In many, right. I mean, there are satanic cults that they will kidnap children and they will do horrendous things to them. Uh, they are, you know, there's, there's, there's the, the cheesy Satanists that you see walking around that, you know, got the pentagrams on their shirts and they're all covered in tattoos and 
there's more metal in their face than there is skin and and you know they're really trying to look the look those are not the ones that really should be terribly concerned about it's the ones that you walk by daily that are professionals and they're they're lawyers and they're doctors and they're police officers and they're judges uh those are the ones you want to be concerned about Mm. but uh you know i mean like I was saying, you know, in some ways it, it almost comes off childish. Like they will even recite the Lord's Prayer, you know, Our Father who art in heaven. They'll recite recite the entire thing backwards. I mean, to me that just sounds kind of silly, wow. you know. But, uh, you know, rather than a Savior spilling his blood, that we might have eternal life, that we might live, they will spill others, usually animals, but, I mean, you know, when you graduate to humans, that's even worse. They'll spill blood that they may be empowered. Wow. Okay? You know, it, it's, it, it, anything that is called sin in the Scripture, to them, it is permissible. Anything that is right is something they generally steer away from. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah. That, that's Satanism. Um, there is another movement that probably most of your listeners have never heard of. This is one of those that, boy, it takes pretty serious people in the world of the occult to hear of this one. But uh, Thelema, and I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right because I've never heard anybody speak it. I've only read it. Uh, there is a particular gentleman uh, named Aleister Crowley. Uh, he lived uh, oh, around the beginning of the 1900s, really, and um, just, oh gosh, I forget when he died, but uh, he channeled the words of some being named Iwas, and uh, Aleister Crowley he refer- liked to refer to himself as the Beast, okay? Mm-hmm. That tells you kind of where we're going here, but uh, he wrote this book, The Book of the Law, and he channeled the entire book from this being Iwas. And the book opens with this statement, Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. So you can see where it, it definitely has some similarities with Satanism. Uh, Aleister Crowley was one messed up dude. He really was. Uh, he was involved with pedophilia and yeah. all kinds of nasty stuff. Uh, you can have this one for free, but uh, Aleister Crowley was actually good friends with L. Ron Hubbard, who started yeah. Scientology. So, <laughs> go figure. Uh, kind of an interesting fellow, but anyway. Um, yeah, so, I. anyway, moving on. Um, Thelema, I don't know, it, the idea that you can seek out and follow your own true path in life. Uh, it's also known as your true will. Um, they emphasize ritual practice of magic. They spell magic M-A-G-I-C-K, if you've ever seen it spelled that way. Oh, yeah. uh, that usually comes from uh, Aleister Crowleyites, if you will. Aleister Crowley wrote many books. He wrote a book on his version of tarot cards called Thoth. Uh, and I might be mispronouncing that as well because, again, that was one of those strange things that I, I read quite a bit about, but I never knew anybody who actually knew about it that I could talk to about it. I was kind of blazing my own trail back then, and praise God I didn't meet any other people who were really into this stuff, because I, I think that would have probably 
sucked me deeper down the rabbit hole and, and who knows where I'd be right now, but you know, praise God. Mm-hmm. Um, here's something else. Uh, Luciferianism. People see Luciferianism. Usually people think that's synonymous with, with Satanism, but it's really not. Um, Luciferianism, there's uh, many there that uh, they, they really, they just focus on the character of Lucifer, you know, the rebel, the liberator, mm. uh, sometimes is, you know, the guardian, somebody who's got class and he's fun and he likes to, you know, he's a guy that just everybody wants to hang out with. He's just that, that fun, cool guy, right? Well, Lucif- Luciferianism uh, or Luciferians, uh, they, some of them don't really even believe in saying they just like the character. And they want to emulate various pieces and parts of his character. Others actually really do believe in Lucifer. uh, And again, are venerating the idea or that character of Lucifer. Easily could do a whole podcast on that subject alone, too. Very interesting group. Uh, But yeah, starkly different from Satanism. You generally don't have Luciferians, uh, you know, sacrificing anything. So... um, Stepping outside, uh, or, or I guess I should stop. Did you have any questions? Yeah, so I, I was. Uh, we have about uh, about three minutes left on on today's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, uh, and folks, I just want to tell you we have some great material coming up on our next podcast as well. We're going to talk about uh, the the issue of necromancy. We're going to talk about uh, new age philosophies. We're going to talk about. Uh, some of the things that uh, are facing the youth in high school and uh, some some dangerous practices uh, entering into public education and even perhaps private private schools as well. We're going to also look at uh, we're also going to look at uh, the uh, practices cultic pract or cult pract occult practices. Get it right here in a minute. Uh, entering the <laughs> church and how those are dangerous as well. Uh, real briefly, uh, as we have just about two minutes left, very briefly, is there a way to distinguish between uh, the Wicca movement and and, and uh, Satanism? Because a lot of times those get combined together. Is there a, very, a real brief way we could uh, distinguish between the two? While Wiccans are skipping through the forest, kissing bunny rabbits and uh, hugging trees, Satanists are hiding in the forest, ritualistically slaughtering little bunnies to the powers of hell. I think that's the funnest and easiest way to distinguish the two. Uh, Wiccans really do love nature. They want to do the right thing. They're generally really friendly people. and Well, until they find out you're Christian, then they're the things come out, but they're generally people that tr- are trying to do good things. They're trying to make a positive uh, difference in this world. And they're they're wrong, and they're practicing something that God would call an abomination. But they're trying to do good things, okay? Um, and they're very much environmentally minded, like I mentioned earlier, which has its pluses and it certainly has its uh, problems as well. Um, Satanism, though. Like I mentioned, it's it's completely upside down from the the scriptures, and in every way embraces evil. Okay, so a Wiccan is is trying to promote love and tolerance and understanding, and let's hug everybody and let's all get along and, and sing kumbaya. 
but the the Satanists are saying no. Uh, we have the will to power. We're the ones who are going to conquer. We're going to fight heaven and we're going to win. And uh, we will do whatever we want to do. We make our own rules. And by the way, we rule the planet. So, yeah, huge, stark difference. Uh, Both of them are an abomination to the Lord, really. I mean, and by that, I mean the practices. Those practices are an abomination to the Lord. If anybody is listening that practices any of this stuff, look, you can repent and you can be forgiven. Christ died on the cross to pay for all of our sins, and he paid for my sins, too. And I did some pretty gnarly stuff. Uh, and, and he can, he can pay for yours as well. He has died on the cross for our sins, past, present, and future. And so if there's anybody that's listening that is involved in any of this stuff, Jesus does love you. He does. Mm -hmm. He's not happy with your actions at all. But if you trust in him and you repent, that means turn away from your sins, you know, turn your back to him and, and tell the Lord, I'm sorry. I, I should not have done that. And I want to live my life for you and not be doing these types of things. Please forgive me and trust in Christ for your salvation. You can you can be forgiven for this kind of stuff. And there's even probably some Christians that are listening that still practice some of these things. You need to repent. Mm-hmm. It's an abomination. And we'll get into some scriptures next week okay. on what God actually says about witchcraft. But Sounds it is great. something you want to avoid. Well, Michael, I hate I hate to cut us off here, but we're we're running out of time here. We do want to uh, thank you again for being on our podcast. We look forward to talking to you next week, and maybe we can take a few moments too to uh, next on the next podcast on our next podcast to discuss how we may be able to reach those uh, in the occult. So, uh, for Michael yeah. Bohm, be sure to check his website out at Youth. Uh, youthapologetictraining.com and for Michael Bohm this is Brian Chilton you've been listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com the Bellator Christie podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com and is protected under creative commons copyright all rights are reserved the views expressed by guests on the podcast are of those expressing them and may not represent those of the host Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The theme played on the podcast is the song Epic and is produced royalty-free by Bensound Studios found at bensound.com. Visit bellatorchristie.com and subscribe by entering your email to receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox absolutely free. This podcast can also be found on several podcatchers including iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We thank you for joining us today. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless and we'll see you next time as we enter into the arena of ideas.